In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever. Talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hey everybody and welcome back to Back on Track. This is Miss Vicky B. And this is Brendan and we're here with a show that celebrates the music that inspires us and our nostalgic moments. And the trap that we set for our, ourselves once a month to force <laughs> ourselves to get together and hang out and talk about life I and know. stuff. And well, you know what? It's a good trap. I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I enjoy my my uh, Stockholm Syndrome with you. <laughs> well, I actually got to see you recently. You're being a little bit hyperbolic. Oh, really? Yeah, I had my birthday recently. Well, yeah, that was such a great party. Through a nice little get-together, get a gathering at my apartment. Um, All our friends from, from college were there. We had friends from college. We had friends from New York. I had family. It was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, it was great. And... Uh, the other fun thing is that you got me uh, some wonderful surprises. <laughs> um, Ms. Vicky got me uh, three different books, a whole library, <laughs> um, all about, you know, the music we love. So I got, first and foremost, Still So Excited by the one and only Ruth Pointer. She's uh, stretching that that phrase for all she can. That right? was a find. <laughs> that was such a find. I couldn't believe it. I saw it and I was like, I must have it. I had no idea. Literally no idea. <laughs> the song comes on the on the, the, the iTunes, right? On the mixtape that's playing. And I'm like, Brendan, you need to open your gift right now. Oh, right. At the I party. Yes, drop yes, yes. everything, right? <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Champagne on the floor. Um, and then there was also Patti Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, Just Kids. Just Kids. Which about, I've not cracked open yet, yeah. but I'm very much looking forward to. It's about her time with Robert Mapplethorpe, the, the famous and controversial uh, photographer. Yeah. Did you know that um, there was a HBO had that doc recently about Maple I think I watched a little bit of it, like, as I was falling asleep a little while ago. They did this promo campaign that was supposed to be um, an art installation and a whole thing. It was was featured, like, it was going to be kind of this cool public art sponsored content thing and i should have known because it was sponsored content it was going to be a little lackluster yeah um so i i dragged myself to to the park where this big trailer is supposed to be and they're gonna be exhibiting robert's work and would you i mean literally you walk in and there's this line to go in and it's basically just a, a box with ipad screens going around where you go from station to station there's like a five second video about one image it was really. It was really. That's it? it was that was it, and it wasn't even the controversial stuff. It like it was. It was just touching at the at the at the controversial stuff. Oh, so, that's so it's disappointing. a little disappointing. But anyway, Patty Smith, Just Kids, and there was a third book. What was the third book in this uh, trifecta? I don't remember. <laughs> Neither do I. So you know what? It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a great surprise it'll, when I receive it'll hit it again. Me halfway through the episode, and I'll just shout something out. Oh you know, gosh. like I'm still here. Like that's the name of the book. Um, oh my god! But we'll remember it. Well, speaking of books, I I, I want to say today's episode. Speaking of writing, I should say mm-hmm. today's episode is all about the singer songwriters that um that inspire us. We connect to their uh, feelings and what they're emoting. Um, have you been inspired recently? Um, well, you know, it was a trip down memory lane coming up with this playlist. Mm-hmm. And as I usually do, I sort of remix and reinterpret whatever sort of topic that we're, that we're choosing, right? Mm-hmm. I sort of figure out the, the ways I can fit what I want in edgewise. Like, oh, they're singer song. But so also, you're not really playing by the rules. Well, I mean, like, it was a very broad topic, honey, but I was like, okay, folks that, that sing and that write their own songs, right? And I think that the, I 
think you'll find that the people that I chose definitely fit into that category. And I relate to them regardless, and I'm inspired by them regardless. So I think that it's all, it's all valid, girl. There's no question marks. There's no, there's no judge, no judge and jury. What was the genre? What was the idea that you were thinking when you thought up this idea? Oh my gosh. Well, I think I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, one of our episodes about how for me, music has always been a way for me to feel my feelings. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's never been, you know, more true than with these raw, emotive songs by these artists where, um, you just instantly connect to, uh, the words that they've, that they've, uh, put forward. But then also very often with the singer songwriters, you're, you're getting them really, uh, so nicely paired with the, with the music, Mm -hmm. um, that they're, that they're writing in conjunction. And so I, I love a, a beautiful singer and vocalist who can interpret, you know, someone else's work. And, yeah. and it, that's wonderful. And I can be moved by that. It gets discredited every day a of lot the week. now, too. It does. And I don't, yeah. And I think that a lot of times we have vocalists who pretend like they wrote a song mm-hmm. and shove their name on the credit. Sure. Um, Holla. Right. <laughs> that was shade. <laughs> well, you know, Ms. Celine Dion does not need to do that. Right. Right. And, and I love her for that. she's talent and, yeah. and amazing at what she does. And there's, that's artistry as well. It is artistry. A lot of times it gets discredited. So I'm but glad that happens with the singer-songwriters is often you get a little bit more of um, either like a a, a bend towards folk or country or these storytelling moments um, Mm -hmm. that that I just, I don't know, I I dive into and I I love. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely focused on like the personal experiences and also just the sort of musical, the musical talent of the person, you know, behind the microphone. That's kind of what I was focusing on. So I'm curious, Mm -hmm. do you have like a sort of quintessential or like the top of Brennan's list, like straight out the gates track that you want to lay down. Yes. And I want to start with someone who's been featured at least once or twice on the show already. Um, but she is quintessential singer songwriter for me. And I want to start with Alanis Morissette and the song that I would be good. That I would be good. Even if I didn't would be good even if I got the thumbs down that I would be good if I got and stayed sick that I would be good even if I So this version is the live unplugged version. Do you know this song? Um, kind of. Okay, so support, supposed former infatuation junkie was like the follow up to her big gigantic smash uh, jagged little film, exactly right. And my I remember my sister having the album, and I remember it being a little bit more difficult for me to get into. Completely, yeah. And it, and then she released the single "Thank You," which was really the most radio friendly right. song on the album. But it was interesting. I think as a fan of hers, I've heard her talk about how you know she was cast as this angry young woman and that was one real piece of her, um, but that wasn't all of her. And yeah. so she really wanted um, to follow that with something that was more introspective and that, and it showed other parts of who she is. And I think that everyone had sort of defined the box for her. And, and so when she, didn't continue to play in that box. They were looking for something different. That's really tough. Um, always, always. Yeah. Tough. But you know what? She's persevered and she's done great. Mm-hmm. This song, I think, is so just 
beautifully vulnerable. Um, and and you know, I chose the unplugged version um, because really when we talk about singer-songwriters, it's that live performance that can really, you know, make the moment transcend into something else. Absolutely. Um, well, you're t- watching a person sing their own story live. You're watching them go through it yeah. in, in the moment. And it's one take. It's not, you know, refined and cleaned up and tidied and everything. It is raw and it's it's present. And it's true. And she's so vulnerable in this song basically just you know asking her partner the universe herself you know if if she is if she's good enough despite whatever may happen and isn't that like that's what we're all asking we all can relate to that absolutely yeah well that's our one hope is that we're that we're good people right through all the things that happen to us the fights that we get into the mistakes that we make our failures our successes all in the end all that really matters at least to me is that i was the good guy i was on the right side of history of morality of you know of everything yeah yeah i I don't know if this is cheating i should mention that this is co-written and produced with glenn ballard who's one of her longtime collaborators and yeah a a tour de force is that the right word and a true uh, renaissance man himself renaissance man legend yeah i mean he's done it all and he's worked with you know michael jackson man in the mirror he's um you know and, and and the bad album is that wrong i'm not sure Oh. <laughs> um, well, anyway, I believe he's, he, uh, yeah, I believe he co-wrote Man in the Mirror as well as, of course, you know, many of the songs on Jagged Little Pill. Well, when, yeah, when she got hooked up with him for Jagged Little Pill and they began their sort of, um, symbiotic writing process, that's when she really took off and she broke through this sort of pop ceiling that they had kind of created for her. Um, and into this world where she became, she really became the, the face of sort of teen anger, like te- female, female oh, yeah. teen and like young adult anger. And so it was as a, as a consumer of this kind of music, it was a little bit difficult for me to sort of switch gears, but, um, but the result was really beautiful and it, and it, and it took place after she had went to India and had done this real detachment and sort of like catharsis yeah. from the whole fame experience, which was oh, yeah. just tremendous, which she still talks about. I totally. mean, she's, she's like a constant, uh, a processor, a processor and, and always a student of her own mind mm-hmm. she and heart and, and feelings, but always diving in, diving in, diving in. Um, and the one thing I just wanted to share before we, before we move on to your, uh, quintessential quintessential track is um is there's this amazing version of this song a cover that kelly clarkson did live on tour and bro i i've seen just about every kelly clarkson show you can imagine Mm -hmm. and um she did this amazing mashup of that i would be good with use somebody by kings of leon and it is just a gorgeous mashup so many mashups are really just that shoving them together but the way they introduce the music and use somebody and you weave it into this song and and it sort of climaxes at this moment her voice is raw and and just so powerful and amazing and kelly clarkson's been so open about her own issues with things like weight and and boyfriends and the industry and the industry exactly so um all of it just was is so spot on and moving and Oh, breathless. Yeah, well, breathless one of the thing. worthy people to cover Alanis, I would say. Like, for one sure. Of the few worthy people that could cover her. And maybe even, like, for me, 
it might even be my ultimate version. Yeah. <laughs> Secretly. <laughs> <Word>. <laughs> All right. So, do you want to hear what I got for you? Give it to me. Okay. So, similarly, I also have a female songstress who's armed with a guitar and a special, fabulous pair of spectacles. Mm. My uh, singer-songwriter extraordinaire is Lisa Loeb. And the song I want to talk about is from her sophomore album, Firecracker, from 1997. The name of this track is Falling in Love. One night while sleeping, alone in her bed, the phone rang, she woke up and sat up and said, what time is it? What time is it? Well, it's 5.30 here. It's 2.30 there And I won't be home tonight He said The time between meeting And finally leaving Is sometimes called falling in love So this song was written by Lisa Loeb And produced by Juan Patino Who was her boyfriend at the time um, the way that I heard this song actually for the first time was on the Lilith Fair live CD. Mm. She was part of the whole Lilith Fair movement, yes. the concerts. She actually like, she did just about all of them, I think. And I remember this song being played at a birthday party as like the stars were coming out. Um, and hearing the, you know, the, like you were saying, the, the, the energy, the electric energy of a live performance. And this is such a, it's such a sad song, an account of a woman sort of going through a breakup with her boyfriend. And that's kind of what was going on with her and Juan at the time. You know, after Juan, she started going out with Dweezil Zappa. And then they, after that ended, they had that whole number one single TV show. It was a reality series about Lisa Loeb trying to find a date. Um, I gotta be real with you. Yeah. I like know Lisa Loeb because like she's a, cultural, you know, reference point, but yeah. I really don't know much about Lisa Loeb. Yeah. As you're saying these things, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I you know, no idea. I don't, I don't know all that much about her either, but I, but I do know a couple things, and I know that she was discovered by Ethan Hawke and Random. her mixtape, which was called the Purple Mixtape, was like passed along onto uh, Ben Stiller, who produced Reality Bites, um, and that's how they made it, uh, she made it onto the Reality Bites soundtrack. Wow, which launched everything for Launched her, right? everything. Yeah. It was that one shot of her emoting doing stay in front of the camera. And that actually, I think, was her apartment in New York oh, at the time. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also know that she started out singing with, she was a duo and it was called Liz and Lisa. That's how they started. And I think recently she came back to singing with her and they, she's been doing a lot of children's albums, which is really super cool. Um, what, what what kind of children's albums? Just like you know, like folksy uh, guitar stories and lullabies and things like that. I don't know. I just love her. There's something about Lisa Loeb that just feels so tender and and it's like her emotions are are right there um it's like tangible you know and and delicate there's i have something with innocence and delicateness and um and she just now i clocked you on that a couple episodes ago i know you gave me a little bit of a hard time and now you're and now you're a lot about it it. now you're a lot about it yes and i mean miss lisa listen (laughs) a couple other facts that i want to mention about this song before i move on um, this album was a gold album and it was nominated for, um, 1999's Best Engineered Album Non-Classical in the Grammys. Um, Sean Colvin, you know, Sean Colvin from sure. Sunny Came Home. She actually sang, um, 
backup and harmony vocals on this song. Oh, wow. Um, and Ben Loeb, her brother, was the conductor. I guess all three of the Loeb siblings are involved in music in one way or of the other. He was the conductor. He was the conductor. There's, uh, there's strings in this, in this piece, which is one of the reasons why I love the song. Yes. The strings, when the strings come in, it, it, it takes it a theatrical characteristic on. I thought that too. It did feel very theatrical. Oh my God. This whole album. Okay. So if I can just paint a picture for you, quite literally, it looks like a sort of 60s pinup like she's laying down on in, in this sort of like pink plush furry you know um atmosphere and she's got her glasses on and she's she's got this new uh cut like a sort of dorothy page is that uh, the uh, betty page like sort of bang cut dorothy page, <laughs> you know, dorothy page. <laughs> <laughs> she's got this whole retro 60s thing betty's cousin betty's cousin dorothy <laughs> um but you know she's got this whole retro look going on and um uh it, it's visible in the video for that she did for I do I don't know if you remember that but it was very like sort of 60s looking okay um so and I just love that I just felt like it really created like a an atmosphere you know for for what we're going to be hearing off this album and granted a lot of the tracks on this album were sort of leftovers from her purple mixtape and and didn't get put on the um the Lisa Loeb Tales album the fr- you know the first album she came out with but they were fantastic nonetheless you're going to be so- a Lisa Loeb I, I guess I know more about Lisa yeah. Loeb than I thought I and did. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love Lisa Loeb. All right, so where are you going to well, take me next? Here's what I'm going to take you, is that you mentioned Lilith Fair. And yeah. And I feel like that makes me... We have a place that we can go from there, definitely. I think so. Yeah. I want to talk about the one and only Sarah McLaughlin, and specifically her track, Fear. Tell you why. Because <laughs> the truth is, I was never really a huge Sarah McLaughlin fan. Yeah, yeah. I kind of found her a little annoying. <laughs> I did too. I'll let you go first. You go first. Well, no, I go. just, you know, I just, I wasn't a fan really. And, and it, it sort of became, you know, I felt like all of a sudden Sarah McLaughlin between Angel and all this other stuff that happened, um, it just became the background for a sappy moment in a in a B television show or or like walking down through the aisles at the grocery store completely yeah, yeah. or or the or the um ASPCA ads yeah which are very it's an important cause mm-hmm. but it's enough to make me want to never watch TV again well yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> so explain why you liked the track right, right. <laughs> no so i love fear so fear is track 11 off of uh, fumbling towards ecstasy right, track number track 11 <laughs> um and and it was just so refreshing because I heard this song and and thought oh there's there's like more here or there's it just it felt it felt a little um strange and different and confusing and um and 
what you're is it like that musical moment that happens kind of at, just after the chorus that like that kind of well, even the, synthy yeah even the, even the intro music as you just start hearing it come in um it it, it sounds very different from a lot of her other work i yeah. think yeah I found it really haunting. I thought it was haunting, interesting. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I thought it was haunting. interesting how she used so much of like her head voice. Yeah, it was very ethereal. You know, that's really what you're getting with Sarah McLaughlin is is like. But it was ethereal, a- not like love or romance. It was ethereal, sad, mm-hmm. in like a haunting is a, a wonderful word. Yeah, I love Brendan. I love you're a like good, you're welcome. I love a good haunt. <laughs> no, listen, like if we can take it all back to haunting, we could have a whole haunting show. I love haunt. I love gloom. And- I love atmosphere. And to top this all off, then you got the remixed album. Yeah. And then you got this song with the uh, hybrid Super Collider mix. Oh, I haven't heard that. Oh, come on. No way. Oh, my God. No, I don't think I've heard it. Oh. Describe it. The remix, Um, it, it's got all of those haunting elements, but then you sort of have that, like, that sort of dark underground club beat underneath it. Uh-huh. And it's this really, really, really cool just electro experience. It's yeah. great. I love it when you can take a haunting ballad and turn it into, like, an... Uh, an adventure of a dance song. Like something that takes you on a journey. You know what I mean? As you're listening to it and it sounds like the, the, pretty much that type of track. Yeah, and this, yes, it is and I didn't really, I, I was looking this up for this episode because I didn't know them very well. I knew the, the remix track pretty well, mm-hmm. but the, um, the group Hybrid, um, they're this British electronic music group and um, apparently they're really considered pioneers of electronic music and they, um, I don't know. They're, they're electronica was really taking off at the end of the '90s, exactly that around the time of Ray of Light, and everybody thought that move, music was going to go totally electronica, and it wound up winding its way in. But yeah, no, it's it's been really cool to see some of the artists that I have here too wound up seeing their more naturalistic, sort of organic vibes blended with a new sort of electronic element. Could I use that as a segue Absolutely. to go into my well, person? I, honey? I thought it was okay. Okay. Well, okay. <laughs> so take the, the wheel. The artist that I want to talk about who's also really multi-talented and he's had his hands in everything um oh. is Lenny Kravitz and the song that I want to talk about is from his breakthrough album 5 from 1998 the name of the song is If You Can't Say No I know that you are in love with me but I also Can't say no to Lenny. (laughs) I mean, like, that's sort of... It's crazy because he had been around for, like, a really long time before then, but he really wasn't on my radar. No. He really wasn't in my wheelhouse. But it was just something about the, like, sort of computer beeps that, that... kind of keep the time in this song that... Did this song come to your life in real time or is this something you discover? No, the song came to my life in real time and it's at... So I, you know, when I heard the song and it was the first single and it wasn't the it wasn't the breakthrough single for the album. The uh, the breakthrough single for the album was Fly Away. Right. That was, that's when, you know, like with his little afro and, you know, um, kicking ass in that like hotel room or, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really hard rock. Was that with the also, American flag imagery well, too? Well, no, that was so. American Woman. 
that he uh, did for the Austin Powers of Spy Who Shagged Me hmm. album that got put on the reissue of Five. Um, but in 1998, he still had the dreads when this album first came out. And this was the first single. And it, it wasn't gigantic. Mm-hmm. But it, um, Mila Jovovich was in the video. It was Mark Romanek directed it. Very futuristic, as all of his videos are. And it's got this sort of surveillance camera kind of floating around this apartment. And there's a really cold feel of isolation. It's a, it's a bluesy, sexy song. And it's basically telling his woman who he he's realized can't help herself when she's when she's asked when she's put in positions to basically cheat on him and he's basically saying well okay whatever you got to do but just think about me i mean which is like a a mind-blowingly difficult concept to wrap your mind around um i've always loved how comfortable he is at being uh, open and sort of he's got this um i guess what i mean by that is he has he has a very um strong physical presence he's you know a, 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 a kind of a big guy of yeah. muscles and um and and has a commanding way about him but but he's also very open both in his songs and in his interviews and whatnot to be pretty expressive yeah and uh and honest well i i'm, I'm not gonna go too far into it because i i don't want to i don't want to i could talk all day about it but he studies from the school of prince I mean, he, Prince was Completely. like, his, like, it, he basically said that when he saw Prince come on the television, he was like, oh my God, there's somebody that looks like me. Like, Prince gave him an idea of what was possible. Yeah. So I really feel like that probably comes from the inspiration that he got from seeing Prince do his thing, from, you know, messing around with gender and from, you mm-hmm. know, being tender and being expressive and emo- oh, tender. All You're on it with the yeah. vocabulary well, today. You know, I, Lenny gives it to me, honey. And when he <laughs> plays that guitar solo, that like bluesy guitar, guitar solo yeah. in the middle of it yeah. i feel I, something about the blues and i've noticed that there's been a lot of tracks that are coming up on our list today uh, that are bluesy you know what i mean so lenny has always given it to me it's it, it's of it's of note it's you know it bears mentioning that he worked with madonna on justify my love mm-hmm. and he also did this really great song with brandy from the batman forever soundtrack called where are you now back in 1995 which is another just hot song with that like twangy bluesy guitar i just i live and breathe for this guy and this was the gateway that brought me into his work so yeah there That's you go amazing. lenny kravitz you know, <laughs> I felt the most um, attracted to him uh, <laughs> in, it, really, this is funny, but in the Hunger Games movies in the oh recent years, you know, I always, I, I knew that people just loved him and his look, and I always thought it was a great look, and I always thought he looked good, uh-huh. but um, but it never really, like, uh, struck a chord with me, and then I saw him in those Hunger Games movies, and mm-hmm. oof. Honey, Lisa Bonet was a fool to give him up. <laughs> but listen, they were a beautiful couple at the time. They were. They That's were true. a gorgeous couple at the time. And its daughter, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. I believe she was in one of the latest X-Men movies. As uh, as uh, a Blink, I want to say. Or maybe it may... That, I might be completely lying with that. And we okay. can fact chat that, check Whatever. that later on. Who cares? But she's I'm an sure actress. she's in some movies. She's an actress yeah. and she's flawless. Yeah, so great. go ahead. Give Wonderful. me your next... What's your next track? Well... I mean, I'll change it up a little. You know, I always like to steer a bit towards the positive. So you just mentioned we were doing all the bluesy. This, mm-hmm. this is a little bit of a, of a bluesy topic, but it, but it's moving in the, in the, in the light, uh, in the right direction. It's moving in the right direction. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about, uh, one of my personal heroes and icons, Dolly Parton. And the track is Light of a Clear Blue Morning. I can see. See 
glad that you put this on do you know this song? Well, see, the thing is, I didn't... I've always heard it. A lot of these songs are classic, and you've yeah. heard the titles, yeah. you know? Light of a Clear Blue Morning, you can stick that into any beautiful speech anywhere, and it sounds like, <laughs> But I actually never really heard it in its full entirety until yeah. you presented it to me. So I'm so Do glad. You know it's about? No, I want oh to give gosh. it to me. Give it to me. So, you know, it's, it, so this, this came out in 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, the album was New Harvest First Gathering. And, you know, Dolly has had this... You you know, obviously we know multi-decade career, um, but she started uh, on this show, the Porter Wagner show, and she was the sort of sidekick. She was the the female, you know, partner to Porter on this on this TV show, and it was his show, and they would write and sing music together, and it was a whole thing, and it it, it really opened up a lot of doors for her. But after years of doing that, she was getting more and more notoriety on her own. The viewers were wanting her to do solos. People were really reaching out to her to do more. And she was a young woman and wanted to stretch and grow. She had dreams for herself, obviously. So she ended up making a very hard decision to walk away from that show and to see what she could do on her own. And unfortunately, as we've seen happen with things like, you know, Johnny Carson, The Tonight Show, and other sort of, um, specifically male stars. Um, yeah. He couldn't take that she wanted to do something different, mm-hmm. and they never were able to really speak again. It's, I think, my under- my remembering of this. Um, they never made amends. I, I don't think they ever actually made amends. They may have right at the end of his life, maybe, okay. but I don't think so. Okay. Um, Regardless, it was very painful and tough. So this song is actually about her finally getting to the sort of end of her mourning about what that split had done for her in her own life, in her head, in her heart, um, and, and sort of seeing like the, the fruits of these, these efforts, uh, you know, coming. Be realized. So, yeah. yeah. And so she was seeing her career take off and, um, not in a, not in a vengeful way, in a very loving way. She's acknowledging the, the difficulty of what she's gone through and, and then really claiming what's, what lies ahead. Mm. I can't see it's difficult. And I guess I don't know her on a business level mm-hmm. and I don't know her on a personal level obviously none of us do right. but it seems difficult to, oh yes of course <laughs> all of these people i feel like yes all of these people we'd have amazing conversations with um because we wouldn't be trying to rip pieces of their clothing off of them as they were walking by we'd actually want to talk to them about what inspires them and what their motivations were and what's going on you know like what their artistry is all about but that's another story i find it hard to believe to imagine anybody you know, feeling anything other than complete and utter just love and adoration for Dolly Parton in any, you know, in any incarnation whatsoever. So it's really difficult for me to imagine. But I did, I had one thing to say about this track. I wrote one comment yeah. and that it was when Dolly tells you it's going to be all right, you believe her. <laughs> totally. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, you yeah. can just hear pain in her voice and, and you can tell by, just by her aura and her presence that She's been through it all. She's been around the world and back. And if she tells you it's going to be okay, it's sort of like you can let go and like just give it to God. You know, <laughs> you know what? And I think she would she would love to hear her work spoken about in that way in her career. I mean, I think that's been her whole her whole uh, approach. That's all she's ever wanted to do is is sing and and, and let people give people ways to to connect and and feel spirit and feel human and all of that. One other fun fact is this was um, featured heavily on the in the movie Straight Talk. 
Did yeah. you ever see that movie? Yeah, with Griffin Dunn. Yes, who, 1992. Who was from um, Who's That Girl, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Hello. So I, I have the biggest crush on Griffin oh Dunn. Oh my gosh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, This movie I loved. I mean, it was critically panned. Yeah. Um, but I remember as a kid just completely loving this movie. And the song, the version, she re-recorded it for the movie. It's sped up. And um, and it's it's a it's a faster track. Yeah, and that's it's, right. It's I remember that. Very difficult to find. You can sort of uh, search for it online and find it in uh, probably illegal places. <laughs> um, but it's not really available uh, to, to purchase. Yeah. I've been able to find. A lot of those 80s soundtracks that we grew up with are really tough. I've been yeah. looking for the Mannequin soundtrack, girl. If anybody out there can find the Mannequin soundtrack... I need it. I require it. All right. I need it digitally. That's a call um, to arms. Whenever you put Dolly in a movie, you know you're going to have a good time. That's yeah. all I have to say. Yeah. No, like, it's hilarious. She's so good. But what's really interesting is after Straight Talk, she didn't get star billing in anything else until that Joyful Noise movie with Queen Latifah. Wow. Yeah. It's like a 20-year gap. That's crazy. Right? I know. Things well, just shifted. But you know yeah. what? I'm so excited because, believe it or not, as much of a super fan as I am, I've never gotten to see her live in concert, and she is coming to Queens in a few weeks. The Queen's coming to Queens. The Queen is coming to Queens, mm-hmm. and I'm going, and Yay! I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so this happy This is the for you, pure Brandon. and simple tour, and, um, <laughs> and she's going to be in Queens on Gay Pride Weekend. That's, and that's flawless. amazing. You have to throw a copy of Cologne at her. <laughs> oh my god, right? Like from the, yes, you're right. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's serendipity. It is serendipity. Mm-hmm. All right. So can I go? Yes. So speaking of women getting out and escaping situations. Are these all women? Uh, I don't know. Okay, but Lenny going. Kravitz wasn't a woman. He was oh. in touch with his Well, genderqueer. Men, but genderqueer. <laughs> <laughs> Don't create a tabloid headline. Anyway, the next person I want to talk about is a, is a, a legend of R&B and soul music right now. Uh, Lauren Hill. It's from her MTV Unplugged number two album from 2002. The name of this song is I Get Out. Stealing my eternal soul. Appealing through material. To keep me as a slave. But I get out. Oh, I get out. So this is a challenge. <laughs> this is this is a challenging one. Yeah, um, it's challenging to to hear. It, it actually is very challenging to hear. I mean, you you hear in this live track um, some of her you know banter with the audience. I don't know if banter is the right word, but mm-hmm. she um, makes a mistake in the middle of it and has to kind of start up again. Yeah, and it, it like it hints at this sort of messiness that I've now come to associate with Lauren Hill, which mm-hmm. is. Which is hard and mm-hmm. disappointing. Yeah. It's been a tough turn to see, like, how that whole thing has played out. She was just a superstardom, about as big as you can get. The Miseducation of Lauren Hill was about the most awarded album, like, in our time. I mean, seriously, and after everything that she did with the Fugees. Um, so she really took a left turn with the Unplugged concert with all this new material. Yeah. What were you going to say? Well, I guess I just wanted to say, I mean, just because you brought up those things that back it up even further. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this during our movies episode. Sister but, Act 2. Yeah, I mean, I 
fell in love with Lauren Hill, not knowing who she was when I saw that movie. There was something about her demeanor and her presence. I mean, she was just immediately so captivating. And then when Fuji's happened, it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then when Miseducation happened, um, it's sort of, even though it was an amazing album and probably one of the most iconic albums of the decade, uh, it did hint at and started showing some signs of I don't know, some, some feelings of anger and, and frustration that kind of, uh, I want to say a little bit turned me off or, mm. or, or alienated you maybe? Alienated me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a little, it was a little bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm relating to this anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then, and then certainly by the time we get to the unplugged album, it's, it's now very different. Lauren yeah. Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or a different facet of her. I can't say it's a different her. It's the same her. Yeah. I mean, so I feel like, you know, as two young white gay boys from, you know, like I'm from Massachusetts. You're from Maryland. No. Right. Right. Virginia. Sorry. Where did I get Maryland? I don't know. I just came up with that. Mary. Mary. <laughs> Mary. Um, you know, like, our experience is a little bit different. She's writing from a different place than us. By the way, I like to say the D.C. area. The D.C. Go. area. Area. <laughs> yes, anyway. Um. So, yeah. And you know what? To, to be honest with you, when Miseducation came out, there were some tracks on it that I couldn't, that I couldn't get into as much as, as much as everybody else seemed to. But I always loved everything that she did as a rap artist. Oh, my God. Like, I, I loved her as a lyricist and as an MC. Like, she was amazing. Um. I just, I have a lot of respect for a movie. Like this, I have a lot of respect for somebody that can take a look at the game, take a look at the industry, and 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 push against it, and be able and see that that there are a lot of things that take place within it that it, you know, sort of the collective secrecy and 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 um, illusions that you kind of have to participate in, and it de- all depends on how smart you are and and how thick your skin is and how seriously you take yourself, whether or not you can survive and navigate it. I think RuPaul, with her sense of humor, has had an ability to be able to rise above it all and understand that it's all just BS and it's all a game, mm-hmm. and is laughing all the way to the bank and is enjoying her life. But I think that there there are. Certain people get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that a lot of the work that she was putting out there was really deep and heartfelt. And I think that what we're watching as we're watching this, uh, this performance is somebody who is rejecting being exploited. I think that she is resisting control. She's, she's resisting support of a dysfunctional system and she's refusing to partake in what she feels probably is her own subjugation and objectification. You know what I mean? She took a huge risk to play a concert of completely unknown material and no big band, no, you know, like no scratch and records, no, you know, no dancers or anything like that. Just truth. And raw, I mean, literally raw vocals. She was losing. She's just yeah. screaming, get out by the end of this song. It's so, it's I don't know. Raw. It touches me. It really yeah. touches me. So I love that. I wanted to, that's why I wanted to recognize that, you know, and we have the choice. We don't have to, you know, like just because I came out with a smash Grammy winning album, I don't owe anybody anything. And you know what? She you know, absolutely does not. And I completely agree with you applauding her for doing what feels right for her and for not feeling like she has to be subservient to whatever the the record label might you know be dictating or asking or whatever it is mm-hmm. i think everyone has or who those, she's representing or who she's representing everyone has those choices and should have the it should be empowered to make them yeah um but i will say it turns me off as a as an it's not for me yeah it's not for as, me. A, as a consumer maybe or as a, a well, music maybe fan. or maybe i would just say as a 
as a human experiencing mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess consumer consumer sounds so like whoa. <laughs> um, Your sole ro- role is to purchase, as to, to consume. I'm a creator, darling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Holler. So create for me what the next track is going to be. Make it appear. I'm going to mention a true creator. Okay. Not that Lauren Hill's a true creator too. That wasn't <laughs> um, no, I'm going to mention an amazing creator. Uh, the the prolific and magnificent Carol King and her song "Will You Love Me Tomorrow." Amazing, and and you know, I love that she really got the chance to own her voice, as I think most people probably know, because the song is so famous. Mm-hmm. It was originally recorded by the Shirelles in the '60s, and was a little bit more of an up-tempo girl group number. I didn't realize that she was a songwriter that far back. Oh yeah, I didn't. Have you not seen the the musical? No, I haven't. Ooh. Tell me about it. Was it beautiful? Great? The musical is great, and in fact, this song, I think must be played probably three or four times in the musical. It becomes a, a consistent uh, theme that they revisit as she goes through her life story in that okay. musical. Um, but it really is amazing that she got to sort of claim her voice. She was part of the sort of the, the, the songwriter shop that was happening at that time when, when radio really started to pick up and music was changing and you had these producers who were just wanting to, you know, Andy Warhol style almost just like get churn out the music. I'm thinking of Ali Greenwich right now. Is I'm Andy like Warhol even the right reference? Though? Well, yeah, his factory. I know that might be. You know what I mean? Reference. But yeah, no, I know what you're talking about, like yeah. Phil Spector and that whole thing totally. that was going on, and you know, like Cher was a backup singer in that whole exactly you know, that whole thing. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, um, I was reading about the Shirelles, and I I read that this is the first song by an all girl group to hit number one in the United States. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Phenomenal person. Yeah, I didn't actually. I don't think I realized that either. But now I see it in my notes. But you're talking about the, the 1971 <laughs> version from Tapestry. Talking about the 1971 from Tapestry. Do you know the album Tapestry? Yeah, I mean it's oh yeah okay legendary cover legendary. To cover right cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know this song in particular is just. Uh, again, I mean, maybe this, is, maybe this is more revealing about me. Um, but mm-hmm. a lot of these songs are, am I good enough? Yeah. Will you love me? Um, and God, those are the real essential human questions. And when you hear her sing this really stripped bare, um, I don't know. I feel like I connect right to the core of what she's saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, another, another person who did a cover of this song, and I don't know if you remember, but, um, Amy Winehouse did a cover of this for the Bridget Jones, the edge of reason soundtrack. I don't know um, if I've heard that one. Yeah. Well, you know, um, she was really largely influenced by the sixties sort of girl group phase that happened when she was recording back to uh, back to black which was like you know her gigantic yeah. album um and i just got done watching the documentary amy have you seen amy yet i need to it's on my watch oh my goodness it's yeah. uh, it's like 
80% like home footage. It's crazy. It's like home videos of her like throughout the entire course of life. It must be very difficult to watch. It was very difficult to watch. Yeah. It was it was very fun at the beginning and then it really spiraled out. But you know, it's really it, what resonates with me right here is that like you said, the message to the song is like Will you love me? Am I good enough? And, you know, it, it's that question that can lead you to places like addiction. Oh, You know, for lead sure. you to those dark corners. And it, it really was clear with her eating disorder and all this and that, that she had trouble sort of finding self-love, you know? And so when you hear her sing this song, it, it, it takes on a whole new meaning. You know what I mean? I, I, wow. Carol, Carol King, luckily, thank goodness, has come you know, full circle and is now enjoying her spot in the pantheon of like singer songwriter legends. And unfortunately, but she's had a lot of struggles. I mean, Carol King's life has not been easy and she's had a lot of personal um, trials and tribulations. I mean, it's, I I don't know. I I think she's had a very difficult life as well. And that's where you get this kind of music from. It's, it's authentic. Um, One exciting thing about tapestry. I don't know if you heard about this, but that she's performing it the whole album live in London this summer. Wow. Start to finish. It's Tapestry Live, and it's happening in London, and I almost want to buy tickets and go. That's pretty flawless. Right? Yeah, that would be the thing to do. That would be the thing to do. (laughs) Anyway. Um, Well, can we talk about another... I mean, while we're on the female kick, hey, this is a female singer-songwriter list that... It's a she thing. ...that that Lenny got invited to. (laughs) I want to talk about another woman who... She is blown up recently. Um, Her name is Janelle Monae. Um, from the Arch Android as her third single from 2010, the name of the song is Cold War. So you think I'm alone? know this song well but it is it is wonderful yeah are you so have you been getting into Janelle Monae do you know you about know, I, th- her? I thought she was getting into me because a couple of years ago <laughs> when I was in Ireland with my family um this was actually this was a little bit of time ago this was probably back in 2011 um this was uh, she was sort of on the rise in that moment mm-hmm. and I remember I did a a tour of Ireland um driving around with my family from city to city and I felt like she was following us like every city we get to she was coming a day later like I felt like we were her advance team or she was just on our tails it was hilarious have you ever seen her live um, no no because she was always a day behind me. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean listen i arrived a day ahead of time when i was up in the bronx and i caught her show did you um yeah and nick cannon was actually a host and it was for the super bowl uh i don't know it was a lead up to the super bowl it was that year that he hosted TLC, a concert it was like no it was like a lead up uh you know sponsoring you know i think it was sponsored by doritos or something like that <laughs> where it was like Crucial like, detail. All of these concert performances leading up to the Super Bowl, and she was one of them. And she did a whole concert for us for free. My boyfriend got us tickets. Nick Cannon was there. It was bonkers. She was crazy. At the end like of the- crazy good. Oh, no, crazy good. Like, I've never seen anybody with that much energy. Yeah. At the end, she jumped into the crowd, and the crowd carried her all the way up to the back of the theater, and then she jumped back on him, and they and she rode it all the way back. Wow. It was nuts. She is 
so awesome. She's a fantastic complex artist. I love the way that she utilizes this bold imagery and the metaphor of like her being a, a, a cyborg um, in her presentation and her music. Um, she's, you know, she's always wearing this tuxedo, which she refers to as her uniform, um, a way of sort of like honoring her, her heritage of, you know, her mother and father were laborers and sort of like, this is what I put on to work. And she's also at the same time sort of redefining what it looks like to be a woman. Oh yeah. Her look is fantastic. Yeah. Well, and you know, speaking about like, you know, she uses just black and white. And I know that, you know, for a long time, that was my thing is all I was doing was black and white. And it started out as just a bit of a gimmick, but it turned into like, it's like you're setting parameters for yourself. You can explore so many options within those parameters and almost like makes your creativity explode. Well, and then the truth is you also become a canvas, right? Because then when she's in a a colorful room or or there's people around her, all of a sudden, you know, she becomes this focal point, this object. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's really mastered that. She's she's just completely, completely um, enthralling. I'm I'm totally in love with her. Anyway, this song, um, I really feel like the video tells you a lot about it. It's a performance close-up, similar to that Gwen Stefani video that we were talking about, um, and the Sinead O'Connor video where uh, and she cries during the lyric. She says, "I was made to believe there's something wrong with me," and I always choke up at that lyric um, mm. because I felt like growing up and seeing I felt seeing a deeper level or a different dimension to things and constantly being told I'm crazy like not understanding the rules that we're all living by or like why we have to do things a certain way and and but being forced to and sort of being told you're crazy the Ugh. whole time it made me choke up a little bit yeah but so the 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 idea is it's a cold war she says this is a cold war you need to know what you're fighting for cold mm-hmm. war is a war with words right um so the way I interpret it is it's like there's these silent energies and efforts out there that are working against each other in a battle for dominance in this world right and especially lately um with everything for sale everything's media digitized and the, you can't take a stand for anything without alienating a certain group and it's sort of like i feel like what she's talking about is you have to uh, you have to hold true to your your morals and your your convictions and what it is that you believe in and kind of work underground to be able to work the message into your uh, to your material, to your, to your life, to your existence, and to go get underneath all of that crap on the top. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think a lot of that's being present and knowing yourself. And it's hard. It's hard not to get caught up in the, in the sort of swirling of what's happening, you know, um, the noise. around us, the noise. Yeah. yeah. But, but to find amidst that noise, that, that true consistent, you know, through line that cuts through it. Yeah. Like important. Prince knowing his name, it's like knowing who you are. Yes. You know, um, another thing I want to touch on really quickly before we get off this track yeah. is the idea of transhumanism, the mm. idea of her being a, a, a cyborg, a fembot. It's, it's been present a lot in a lot of pop music lately. And I want to talk about it in images like Sasha Fierce and her Metropolis costume, like Moogler designs. Yep. Um, Robin doing Fembot and Lady Gaga with, you know, the uh, the paparazzi outfit. Christina tried to go there with Christina Bionic. Christina with Bionic, everything. Every Janet with feedback. It's working our, itself into our consciousness with the rise of technology and this, you know, this need to connect constantly, but also becoming responsive to our biology. Like, we are, we're able to attach pieces of technology to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes it gets troubling for me because we, I, I believe we, it's like whenever 
kind of jokingly or artistically, we start referring to ourselves as machines, like plug me in, turn me on, mm-hmm. you know, reprogram me, reboot me. Yeah. It gets difficult for me because I feel like it, it can have the, the effect of contributing to an I, uh, uh, of, of dehumanizing each other, of turning each other into objects, making it easier for us to be able to dismiss or perhaps make decisions that are not in the best interest of the greater good of people because we feel less physically connected to them and we start seeing them as objects. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting that you're bringing this up because I was listening to um, an interview the other day and it was with someone who I believe is a a brain scientist or is that right? A neuroscientist? <laughs> I usually you're giving me the words. Usually it's me horribly like hacking them up and you're like, girl, a neuroscientist. <laughs> that would be the correct term. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but they, but anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is they were talking about how actually throughout humanity, humans have always tried to understand how we think. Mm-hmm. And what thoughts are and how our brain works. And we've always, you know, looked at that through the lens of whatever was sort of going on in humanity at that moment. We've thought of, you know, the brain as these humors and we've thought of other things. And right now we very much look at the brain as a computer uh-huh. because that's the that's technology the that, and that's the frame of reference we have. And his whole point was it, it's not. Yeah. And when you actually start looking into how the brain works, it's nothing like how computers work. And there's a lot that's still unaccounted for and unexplained. And the way computers hold and retain and process memory, the way that they are a processor, that's not the way brains function. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. I actually, I derived a lot of hope out of that as I was listening to that because sometimes I would go to a sad place too, thinking yeah. about this, this, this fusion and merging of, of tech and, and, and humanity and biology. And it gives um, me a sense of paranoia a little bit, a little bit of a claustrophobia. Right. And so to cut through the noise, it was yeah. nice to hear this, um, expert neuroscientist, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, bring, bring me out of that noise. Yeah. Well, so. Janelle really, really gets into this topic. And just briefly, I just want to, as I was talking about the idea of us being able to distance ourselves from each other within this concept, she has created this, um, this dystopia universe where there's basically an other community and that other community is the cyborgs. Mm-hmm. And she's one of them. She creates this character, Cindy Mayweather, uh-huh. who's, she has fallen in love with a human. And so she's at risk of being disassembled and she becomes like a messianic. Is that the right word? Yeah. Like a, a figure to the masses for her breaking out of that. So I just really love, wow. she's, she's managed to talk about race and she's managed to talk about the idea of being a member of the other community, but with, through the, but through the through technology. technology yeah. 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 So I just like, Oh my God, she's a genius. Like I live in, and breathe for her, and like I, she, there's nothing that she can do wrong. As far as I, <laughs> I feel like she's got to be on my list to, um, yeah, to you got to check her out. more. I mean, please, I feel like I've do. seen her around, but I haven't really dove. But when in. you really get into it and really listen, yeah. there's so much there. Wow. Yeah. So what do you got next for me, Bren? Well, it's hard to transition from some of this conversation. <laughs> um, I want to talk about um, a little bit of an unexpected one. He's very much a singer songwriter, but this is going to be a track that is more. Um, it is, it's not a ballad, and I feel like I'm talking about a lot of ballads. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, an electro-pop uh, artist named Frank Music, mm-hmm. and the song is Struck by Lightning.
Brendan, you've been talking about Frank music for forever. I, not totally forever. Right, he's but actually like the younger last than me, couple which makes of years. Me sad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he I I ended up seeing him one night live with uh, my partner at the time and we were at an Erasure concert and um, we ended up seeing Frank Music open for Erasure because Frank Music had produced that album for Erasure so they brought him on tour as the opening act and you know so many times when you go to clubs the opening act can be a little bit of a throwaway you never know and I don't say that to discredit or disrespect artists but when you're really there excited for the headliner it's hard I mean I really feel out of compassion for those people who have to get out there in front and sort of they're the buffer between the audience and who they're there for so when when, when it's an artist you instantly connect with it's so exciting yeah that's a cool way to cross pollinate oh my gosh so he's starts playing his set and it was so freaking exciting and um this song in particular struck by lightning um just really i mean not struck you by lightning right it struck a chord (laughs) it was just there was something so beautiful about his voice and about the 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 rhythm and the pace of of the song and the track and uh and he produces all of it and i just i don't know i fell in love a little I felt you all over it, and I felt I felt your dad all over it, and like your dad's influence, like really? via like Erasure, uh-huh. you know, like I I don't know, I could just he, the the trend that I get from you is always toward this like electro positivity, like this eighties <laughs> electro positivity, um, and so in that sense, I feel your father's presence in the selection. But what's funny? Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, what's funny about the song though is it's really—I mean, at least my interpretation of it—is that really he—it's all about his um, fear and ambivalence about making a tough choice. I mean, like, basically, he needs to break up with someone... And, that's true. And he's saying that, you know, he'd rather be struck by lightning than have to do this thing. Yeah, no, and that's true. And yeah, absolutely. On yeah. that level, I'm talking about the sort of 80s electro totally. sort of like, you know, um, Trapper Keeper, you know what <laughs> I mean? Where like, you're not, you know, you're listening to Tears for Fears and you're not realizing that it's completely about like teen angst and yeah, this yeah, and yeah, the other, yeah, but yeah, you know. Yeah. But, well, anyway, Frank Music, all I want to say, because we're getting close on time, mm-hmm. is that I think he's a really great artist. He has a mix of these, you know, faster EDM tracks, and then he also has a ton of ballads um, and a lot of acoustic stuff that's really great to listen to. So um, he's a little bit of a less-known artist. He needs support. I would encourage people yeah. to check him out. I thought his range was amazing, and I thought that the song structure really reminded me of this group called Keen. Oh, They're really yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keen. The lead singer of yeah. Keen, is just, his voice and soars. You're right. I mean, and to that point... Frank Music's voice is what captured me right away. It's just mm-hmm. the, the way he can um, soar is another good word that you just used. The way he can soar over that, um, that track. instrument track. Yeah, yeah it's holler. instrument. <laughs> instrument. That's such a great emphasis. All right, let's do a good closer. How are we going to close this out? Okay. Uh, I've been wanting to talk about this song for a while, and I, I just have to put it out there. I let's. I want to finish off with this one. Um, we all know the artist. His name is John Legend from his album Love in the Future. This is the first single from 2013. The name of the song is Who Do We Think We Are? This might be a left field one for you. 
Well, it wasn't one I knew, but I've really enjoyed getting to know it. I've, I, I, it always <laughs> comes up on, on my list. It was almost on the Sexy Men one, and sure. you know, it's it's just so. This song touches me so deeply. Um, I don't even know where to start. It's got the the Gene Knight Mr. Big Stuff sample, similarly to Switch from yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, um, oh, I love that connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this guy, he's a gigantic singer songwriter. He's won Grammys, a Golden Globe, an Oscar. He played piano. Speaking of Lauren Hill and Everything Is Everything, um, backing vocals on You Don't Know My Name by Alicia Keys. He's collabed with Kanye, Estelle, Fergie, Pink, Nas, Sergio Mendes, Sam Smith, Megan Trainor, everybody. Um, the name of this song, uh, the album is called Love in the Future, and it's a largely Kanye West collabo. And I really do love Kanye as a produce- producer. I have to say, sure, I kind of always have all the way through from Chipmunk Soul. I think producing is where he. Really- the excel yeah yeah and he really gave it the sort of like 808s and heartbreak treatment to this album um it's okay so the way that i experienced this track as he's listing off he he talks about the drinks the minks the cars the house um it's about the commitments that you make the, the things that you buy but all of these things have like this increasing value and then like conversely like on the flip side of it there's a, a bit of risk involved in it as well like the more the more famous you get the more in love you fall the sort of higher you fly kind of the further you can fall right and then also this idea of worthiness like we're talking about mm-hmm. you know love me am i enough um, it, for me, it drums up a specific and emotional question where, you know, we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, yeah. especially people that have experienced poverty or people that have gone through hardship. Whenever you're enjoying trauma. A, a trauma, mm-hmm. whenever you're enjoying a moment, there's all like I, the, the best metaphor I can think of is a woman or a mother looking in on her on her daughter sleeping and having so much joy seeing them sleep peacefully. But then that twinge of fear, like, oh, my God, what if something happens? Right. And not even what if, but like something is going to happen. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And it's so it's a crazy realization when you've realized a dream like that, like having a child or falling in love or becoming famous or you found, you know, you found your joy experiencing this pure unbridled happiness. You're flying so high in the sky and you ask yourself like is this mine like do i really deserve this you know like who the heck am i to 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 be deserving of something Mm. so wonderful as this and when you know like what if it gets taken away from me but the audacity of of loving and living and flying fearlessly like that like that when i listen to him scream that you know the the chorus of this song who do we think we are it just i I get shivers like i'm I'm shivering right now just thinking about it i'm loving hearing Um, you talking about it i feel like i've I've heard a little bit since uh we've been putting this list together but yeah. um and I'm i can't wait to hear it again now. i'm totally coloring it with my own well, that's stuff what's great, as though. we usually do that's what's great it might be about moe or is that moet or what, what however <laughs> the fuck you say it. it might be about champagne but to me it's about like holy crap do i deserve this love yeah you know what i mean yeah so yo there i go with my singer songwriter wow. who the hell do i think i am <laughs> well <laughs> this has been this has been really fun i mean i think to talk about these feelings and um you know to me this is what music is all about it's about connecting to the heart and um you know expressing what's uh what's going on what is going on what is going on <laughs> well, this is tons of fun as always yeah it's been great to reconnect and we'll see you soon i i have a feeling i have a feeling <laughs> all right Mwah. Bye, everybody. Bye.
If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our mix a playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.